0: Do you ever feel the stress of being an adult and knowing that it would be irresponsible to procrastinate yet again on going to the grocery store? But on the other hand, you'd much rather just have a beer and push it off for another day. Well, good news, Atlanta. This long time struggle is an issue of the past thanks to Crowbar. For you non-Atlanta users, which I'm sure there are thousands, this is a Kroger grocery store with a full functioning bar inside. You just push your little cart filled with fruits and veggies Up to the bar and enjoy an ice cold crispy boy on tap. Crowbar, stealing Murder Kroger's customers since 2016. Start the show.
1: What's up Atlanta sports fans? My name is Graham Waldrop and alongside me as always is Adam Kalal and to my right is Tiller the Dog, our producer, and we are Atlanta Zone, Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports with wacky ass hijinks and analysis. Today is Wednesday, November 8th, 2017. Adam, how's it going, sir? It's going real well, Graham. I
0: gotta say, Jared the intern has really upped his... Uh salesmanship with getting us crowbar as a sponsor
1: that's that's very fair that's a big step up from baby grill yeah you know he's really um putting the long hours yeah he's just out there grinding grinding looking looking for as many people you know a lot of times people think when we get these sponsors it's one of these things that we just like say it at the beginning and we pick everyone whoever we want to talk about it doesn't work like that jared actually goes out there talks to these folks make sure you know we can you know enter a nice business arrangement with them And, um, yeah, it's fantastic. Well, you know what
0: his, the way he was able to sell this one to Crowbar was he had to promise the management there that I would actually put a little energy into the ad instead of
1: just like spewing out nonsense. I think that's fair. So there's a little preparation. A little preparation. Which I did not appreciate. No. But Uh, I think pays off in the long run. eh, Maybe. That's probably your best ad. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, We'll see. But
0: uh, yeah, going going quite well, Graham. Um, despite the sad state of Atlanta
1: sports, which I guess we have to discuss. We're forced to mm. contract. Actually, as we mentioned like a few months ago, we're contractually obligated to do this for the rest of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. To uh, suffer as fans, and then to impart our misery onto mm. our users. What we should do is uh, like, and it's always sunny when
0: there's the contract with D and Mac just takes the contract and eats it,
1: we should find that contract and do the same. I agree. It's getting rough out there. Yep. Um, so, yeah, we got a another sad show for you guys that we'll hopefully try to inject with <laughs> some humor. Uh, we, we'll recap the Falcons' uh, heartbreaking 20-17 loss to the Panthers. Another 2017 loss this season. I think it's our second of the year. Um, and we'll go and do a little Hawks as they get their second win of the year against Cleveland. And we'll give some, uh, some shit to, uh, a user out there who was going to come on the show today, but dropped out near the last minute. Um,
0: really Edward threw off the whole script. Really of threw show. off the whole
1: show. He was, he's a Cowboys fan. So he's going to come in here and start, uh, imparting some wisdom to us about the Dallas Cowboys. And it's always fun to get a behind enemy lines sort of perspective. And that's one Edward Varney, AKA knowledge bone. And, uh, it's very unfair that he that he didn't come to uh, the Adam Cloud Studios today.
0: Yeah, because I'm I'm still working off some old knowledge with the Cowboys. Tony Romo's still the quarterback, right? Yeah, Miles yeah. Miles Austin's their number one receiver, I believe.
1: Uh, actually, no, To's still the
0: number one. receiver. Oh, To, so My, yeah, Miles is number two. He's number two, yeah. and um, what's his face? Brooking
1: Keith Brookings. Yeah, Keith Brooking's still the middle middle linebacker. Yeah. So
0: we'll we'll get into all of that and uh, the game plan the Falcons have to put up against those uh, tough. Top names.
1: Yeah, and I think Bill Parcells is still their coach. Yes, Bill. Yeah, he's still alive. Yeah. Good for Bill. Good for Bill. Um <laughs> so uh let's jump right into it. Into that Falcons game. Started out pretty nice. We had some bad penalties on the first drive that forced us to kick a field goal. And then we had a really beautiful drive uh, and then a touchdown pass to uh good old Mosinue. Uh, sort of the, been the touchdown monster this year for in terms of the receiving core, and then and our defense was playing really well. Those yeah. first few drives, they couldn't get anything going. So we actually forced two turnovers as well uh, early in the game, which we said was a key to the game. Yeah, going into that game, and Keanu Neal bumped one
0: out. I love punched the way he one strips. Out.
1: It's a classic strip. Yeah, you just see his arm go in there and yank it out. Yeah, uh, did that at Jonathan Stewart. So Stewart fumbles the ball twice. We're feeling pretty good about ourselves. And then we get to midfield. Dan Quinn's favorite position to be on the field. It's fourth down, and we decide to go for it. And, of course, we don't get it. And that swung them in on the Panthers' way, and they never relinquished it the rest of the game. So the Panthers go on to score 20 unanswered points. Our run defense that was shutting the Panthers down early on just evaporated, gave up over 200 yards to the Panthers rushing the football. Um... You know, you look at this, and then we wind up losing the game 20-17, to 17, and uh, we had the ball in a last possession um, with about three and a half minutes left. Had a chance to, to score the decisive blow, couldn't do it, went three and out. Um, and four what's, and out. Or four and out, yeah. And so um, a lot of the same problems we've seen in these past games have uh, reared their ugly head again, and all started with Dan Quinn deciding to go for it on fourth down at midfield for some reason again.
0: Yeah, there were some variables in this game. We weren't expecting uh, the run-pass option that they enacted with Cam Newton rushing for so many yards. Cam hasn't really done that so much this year. And uh, it could be directly from the Kelvin Benjamin trade. They kind of want get to get back to the ground game. And for whatever reason, our defense was not up for the task. You got all these space tacklers with the speed. You would think that
1: uh, we'd be up for that one. Well, what I don't understand is, um, and I will give the Panthers this: they had they had some they had some tricky option plays that really fooled us. And I'm normally not fooled on TV when I'm I'm watching you know play action or, or option plays like that. I was fooled twice. I mean, they were really great fakes. I think both times Cam kept the ball, and um, and and not saying those were like huge plays that turned the tide of a game, but I mean, they were you know the rushing attack the game plan there was very effective for them.
0: It was pretty impressive watching. I remember they had one uh, really slow motion replay of Cam sticking the ball into uh, McCaffrey's arms. Mm-hmm. And, like, McCaffrey doesn't know if he's going to hold on to that or not. And then just, like, the last second Cam just yanks it on out of there. Yeah. Like, some impressive decision making right, on Cam's part. Yeah. I certainly couldn't do that. I would just fall down and go into the fetal position probably.
1: Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing, too. I mean, you look at McCaffrey's stats rushing the ball this year. He hasn't done anything since that first game against San Francisco. Lots of single-digit rushing games against the Lions, Eagles, Tampa Bay. Sometimes he's rushing for 10, 16 yards. And then he busts out for 66 yards against us. And I guess my question is, Is like, we saw Poe and Jarrett, you know, really involved in the, in the, in the stopping the run last week. And now they're getting blocked in the next Tuesday, particularly Poe. I mean – where the hell has he been all year? Was he on the field? Yeah. What a massive disappointment. Yeah, it's, it's definitely been a letdown. No more free agents from the Chiefs. Yeah, I think it's time to just stop that. Especially D tackles. Yeah. Um, other things to think about, of course, for those that watched the game, uh, it was another time we go for it on fourth down when we actually needed to, um, it was in the fourth quarter. Threw a deep ball to Julio. There wasn't a single Carolina Panther within 10, 15 yards of him. Perfect throw by Matt. He drops it in the end zone. We turn the ball over. That was a uh, that was a backbreaker and sort of ep- epitomized the uh, entire Falcons season. It seemed like.
0: Yeah, that was brutal. That's I mean I know people are still shitting on uh, Sarkeesian, and for good reason. Um, but also, I mean there there were two deep balls to Julio. Uh, one where Matt overthrew him, yeah, and then that one that was just inexcusable. So that's not on Sarkeesian. At, no. at some point, we need, we got to blame the personnel
1: as well. I, I, I think, and I agree with you there. I mean, it comes down to you can talk shit about the game plan all you want, but there are times, and this is another time, and which you like to do a lot. I do, but I agree that we have to start saying there are times when there have been opportunities where the right thing has happened schematically, and we haven't executed. Or there's a dumb penalty. Or there's a dumb penalty. Blahzy, um, blahzy blah, blah. Yeah. And another thing I'm I'm upset about with Sarkeesian is once again the failure to, you know, really establish the run. Um, you know, Freeman only gets eleven carries. Coleman only gets five carries. Um, we're not running the ball, and we're also not getting the running backs involved in the passing game still. Only four receptions for Freeman. And one for Coleman, which went for a touchdown. And Tevin Coleman, to me, is one of the most lethal uh, pass-catching running backs in the NFL. And it seems, and we called a lot of plays for him last year. He would get four or five receptions a game sure. and you know, get touchdowns. And the one, the one reception he gets today, he, he, he scores. And when you get him in space, he's very hard to get down. He's not the best short yardage running back in terms of running the football, but catching the ball, that guy is awesome. And I don't know why we're not calling more plays for him. As far as the uh,
0: run games concerned, do you think Patrick DeMarco, him not being
1: around, is a bigger deal? I, I don't think so because you know he's only on the field like 30% of the time and he was effective an effective run blocker but at any time I've seen Coleman block, it's been fine. I think it once again comes down to what we were talking about, lack of deception, lack of motion, um, sort of just running exactly what, what it looks like um, and certainly that's frustrating. But um, we had another instance where we had short yard situation, and it, and it sort of shit on my theory, I guess, where I was like, we'll just run out <laughs> the middle. And we did that like three times and couldn't get the first down. So that was... Yeah, I was talking to Hugo earlier today,
0: and you know, uh, he got a good kick out of the fact that you were so uh, adamant about that, and then they did exactly what you wanted. And Well,
1: you know what? I would rather them do that than, um, than try some bullshit play, try to play action at downfield for 40 yards or something, which we did on third and inches. It was third and inches at one point in the game, and we decided to throw the ball 30 yards downfield to Hooper. At that point, just just, can we just sneak it? Can we just be smart? And it's like, I don't know. There's a lot of issues here. We can keep listing
0: them off. In turn, Jared made a good point to Mm. me earlier, and I would let him... Uh, come on air and say it himself, but I think he's off getting us some uh, fresh beers. I'm not very sure. Um, but he his analysis is that this team just lacks heart. Like, to come out like that week in and week out and start off strong and then just disappear
1: for it, it is two per- two and a half quarters, it three is, quarters. It is perplexing There's how we get out to a lead and something. we can't seem to hold it. And I'm getting really tired of of Coach Quinn. He's starting to sound like Smitty when I heard his his presser. He's yeah. starting to sound like Smitty a little bit. He's just like, you know, we're going to go out there, and, you know, we haven't executed the way we've liked to, the way we've prepared, but we're going to work at it. And, you know, it's the same message over and over again, and we don't – and maybe they are working at it, and I'm sure they are, but it ain't showing on the field on Sunday. No. Um, and you start to think that – you wonder if – I don't – you know, you start to wonder if the locker room's starting to be lost. You're starting to wonder if the message is starting to be lost, the brotherhood, all that stuff. Um, I will I will say, on that point, I will say this much. I was watching
0: the old uh, post-game presser on Fox 5. Oh, yeah, after the game. After the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, digital antenna, of course, was bringing me that great content. Mm-hmm. And um, everyone, the locker room, they still seem bought in. They still seem determined. They're not phased. Like, there were so many questions. Of course, the Super Bowl hangover came up again. But they're pretty adamant that, and of course, it's what you're going to say,
1: but... Uh, they don't
0: look beaten like we are,
1: yeah, yeah, and I don't know. It's it's just it's just the same old same old. I've kind of resolved myself to not. I mean, I'm still going to be very emotionally involved, but I don't have any expectations at this point because we're halfway through the season. We've lost four or five games for four and four, um, and we have a very tough stretch coming up that began with Carolina and, and continues into next week with Dallas, and then you got to go on the road to face Seattle. You're going to be lucky to win one of those games against two teams, um, one of which Dallas is playing pretty well, especially on offense. And, um, you know, going to Seattle is always a a bitch and a half because you face one of the toughest crowds. 16th man. 12th man. (laughs) 16. There's only 11 11 players on the field. 12th man. Yeah. Yeah. but there's so many freaking people there. It feels like the 16th man, I it's guess. It's the very opposite
0: of the Great Anus.
1: Yeah, right now where you have which people selling their tickets who are able to, you know, people who are rich enough to get the tickets are selling their tickets to on the secondary market and allowing these people to semi-take our, uh, our stadium. Well, I know, I know we've just,
0: I think we've discussed this on air before, just the fact that there's so many damn things to do there, fan experience, if you will, that people aren't in their seats watching the game. Yeah. Like... The game is technically sold out. Those people are in there. They're just not in their seats.
1: Right. Which is but it's not a good, look. quite frustrating. No, and, not at and, all. And, and, you know, we have to take it on ourselves as fans to go out there and support the team. You know, especially if we're going there. We need to be there rooting them on and making noise and causing penalties. I mean, I think one of the greatest things about going to NFL game is as a fan, you can have a real impact on the uh, – on the game because if you can make enough noise and make it hard enough for that offensive line to communicate with the opposing team, you can cause a penalty. Sure, you can cause a penalty. I mean that that's always a, a total blast. I remember we went to the 2012 2013 NFC Championship game against the 49ers, and I know we caused multiple penalties because we were screaming our asses. You and that. I specifically, us. We were the only ones, but we did it. Yeah, and <laughs> uh, and and that was fun. So it's so that's disheartening. And I my my fear is going to this Cowboys game is that uh, it's going to be half and half and the Cowboys are going to be making a lot of noise and it's going to look like a a damn San Diego Chargers home game. Yeah. I'm really scared about that. For those of you who don't watch the Chargers, especially when they were in San Diego, they got their stadium taken over on a weekly basis. Like, it was almost majority the other team. Right. Especially when the Raiders were playing. Um, So looking ahead, I mean, what's your confidence level going on in this Dallas game? Based off the shit we've seen. We oh, com- to confidence see. Confidence is quite low.
0: Yeah. Um, if you were to ask me the one word I'd use to describe this team at this point, hmm. it's mediocre.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm, I'm going to go ahead and admit that. Uh, not to say the talent isn't there, which it is. still think it's a talented roster.
1: Yeah, and that's what's Th- sort of frustrating about it. If they sucked on paper, and we were four and four. It'd be like, okay, fair yeah. enough. But our expectation is to win the Super Bowl. Indeed.
0: Yeah. Um, but talent being there, that said, they could put it together. Um, but right, right now, I'm just not seeing it.
1: Yeah, I see no indication from. I think even if you win this game, right, you still have the Panthers. If we had won the Panthers game, if Julio holds on to that catch, then we score the other touchdown with Devin. Um, yeah, still have a lot of issues. It's just those little things that aren't happening. It's
0: like, I mean, that, that's all the difference between a good team and a bad team in the NFL is just those. Two or three plays. That could go either way. Yeah, like and we just don't seem to be able to execute. Just that when we it need factor to. to execute and close. Yeah. We've we've had out of the four losses, I'd say at least three of those. We've had a chance to win it at the end, technically. Yeah. No mi- we, minus the Patriots. That's
1: the thing too. Even if we we played like shit, we are in every game except for the Patriots game. And um, that's the frustrating part about it, is that and you still think maybe there's a way we can put four quarters together, but week in, week out you see bad run defense and you see offensive discombobulation, and you see a lot of drops. I think we're, the, we're in the top five in drops right now in the NFL. Yeah, that's an issue. Hooper, I keep
0: seeing it out of him
1: over and over again. Yeah. Um, it's a really frustrating right now. I think looking ahead to Dallas, I think uh, the biggest fear we have to have there is... Um, Romo. It's definitely Tony Romo yep. and, and Terrell Owens. Uh, I'm really afraid of those guys. It's a di- dynamic, dynamic duo, man. duo. Um, you know, To coming over from Philly. Interesting that he's going from a uh, you know NFC East to an NFC East team. So you got to think when they go to Philadelphia this year, he's going to hear it from the crowd. Wait, I-, I heard him say
0: that Romo is his teammate and his quarterback
1: and his quarterback. So and he also said, "Man," so you know when you say "man" about another man. Um, I've never heard Julio say that about Matt Ryan, right? With tears in his eyes, with so. tears in his eyes, Maybe. while he's wearing sunglasses. Maybe that's the passion we need. Maybe so. But in all seriousness, I think the, uh, <coughs> the biggest thing with, with Dallas is, is, of course, Ezekiel Elliott. He's got four games where he's rushed over 100 yards, seven touchdowns on the year, has 783 yards already this season, and we're only halfway through. So he's on pace for like 1,600 yards rushing if that suspension doesn't come down. And we just gave up 200 yards to the Carolina Panthers, who don't really have a lead running back and have a quarterback uh, who likes to scramble. So I'm very concerned for our run defense heading in heading this game. I mean, you can talk about all the offensive issues you want, And Dallas doesn't have a very good um, defense. But Dallas is great at controlling the clock, and we saw that against the Panthers when they did that to us, where I think we had nine total yards of offense because they controlled the clock. And these guys are going to try to do the exact same thing, I think, uh, this Sunday. I would if I were them. Yeah. Maybe Poe will finally –
0: come out of hibernation and decide to play this game.
1: Well, that, that offensive line of theirs is just so good, too. I mean, they really built that offensive line through the draft, and um, I'm afraid they're just going to push us around and control the clock the whole night. I mean, I really don't see any other other way of it going right now with the way we're playing.
0: Yeah, they looked damn good against the Chiefs the other night. The Chiefs, one of the hottest teams in the league uh, recently, and Dallas kind of just dominated by the second half of that game.
1: Yeah, they warmed down, and that's something with our defense we see Week in, week out, as it gets worn down. and um, But I will give the defense this, if you think about it. You know, we're holding teams like 20 points, 23 points. You know, if we were to play at our season average last year, even just a little below it, we'd be winning most of these. We'd be, we'd be winning all the games that we lost, with the exception of the Patriots game. So it's just like, can the offense put it together enough? Can we have enough consistency? Um. To really put up a lot of points, and I think looking at Dallas with their defense, it's not the it's not a very good defense. They've given up a shit ton of points this year, um, particularly at home. I wish so. You kind of wish we were playing them at their place, but there's an opportunity for us to get right here. This could be a get right game for the offense. I just don't know. Time possession is just uh, just really concerns me with, with Zeke Elliott out there.
0: We really, you and I need to do our part as well. Last year, the year we went to the Super Bowl, you and I go to brew house and Little Five Points like every damn week to watch the game. We haven't done that this year. We've watched one game together at my parents' house. Yeah. So we're showing the same lack of emotion and intensity that the Falcons are showing.
1: Maybe they need us.
0: So we're really... If anyone's to blame, forget about Sark, forget about Quinn, forget about Poe. Let's look at ourselves. So... You're gonna be
1: out of town, aren't you? I am. Damn it. <laughs> uh, no, so much for that idea. Yeah. The one thing I hope this week is Sarkisian is able to employ a little deception, just something. Just give us something, Sark. You ain't playing against Utah in the Pac-12 anymore. You're playing in the against NFL teams. You can't just run these silly plays and look, you know, run it exactly how it looks in formation. Give us something, man, or your ass is gonna be out of a job. Again. Again. So <laughs> moving on to our Atlanta Hawks,
0: beloved Atlanta Hawks. I was laughing in my head about the way you uh, phrased your little Hawks intro where I you said where, the Haw- where you said the Hawks got their second win, which yeah could sound pretty good if it's like the third or fourth game of the year
1: yeah unfortunately we've already played eleven games and mm-hmm. we're two and nine but only four and a half games out of first. Yeah. I will say this about the Hawks, right? They have faced a lot of adversity in terms of a lot of guys have been injured, especially after that first game. It seemed like, you know, we lost Schroeder for a while, um, lost Deadman. You know, you lose two pretty. Ilyasova's been out. Ilyasova's been out. You lose some pretty uh, key players. And so, but this team has gone out there every night. They battle their asses off, they don't ever win. Um, they beat LeBron though. They did, they did beat LeBron, which was nice. But I mean, I, I think the, the nice thing to take away here for the Hawks is that, you know, they're constantly in the games for the most part and they're, they're playing their asses off. They're a very undermanned team in terms of talent, but they're going out there every night and giving it their all. Yeah. I mean, it's kind
0: of what we discussed this in our, uh, Hawks preview before the season it's these young guys are getting to play, which has been great, great to see. Um, have you watched John Collins at all? Yeah. No, I was just wanted to bring him up. In that in the um the Cleveland game, they didn't have an answer for his energy.
1: No, that that I mean, he was exceptional in that game. You look at him already, he's almost averaging a double double, ten and a half points, almost eight boards a game. Um you know, and he's doing it not playing a lot of minutes, playing like pretty much half or a little less than half of a game. Um and he's looked really damn good. He's already scored in double figures six times this season. So, I mean, he's he's doing great and constantly going out there getting – and he's got four games where he's finished with double-digit rebounds. So, I mean, I've been thoroughly impressed by his athleticism, his ability to be aggressive in the paint, and uh, just all around the court.
0: I concur. And we also not only knocked off uh, Cleveland, but on Monday night, because this is Wednesday – there was a. I mean, they battled Boston. Yeah, it Boston took them to the coming brink. coming in on an eight game winning streak. Yeah, only lost by three points. Yeah, I think there, I saw there were like twenty seven lead changes in that game, which is yeah, crazy. They're
1: they're battling and they and they've actually been relatively fun to watch because it's just nice to watch these uh, these young guys continue to develop. And and Schroeder is you know jacking up a lot of shots, averaging over twenty two points a game. You know he's getting better at penetrating. He's looked pretty good to me. Um, so it's exciting. It's exciting because the future is, is bright, and I think the great thing about the East right now is that the powers that be, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers, starting to fade a little bit. Then you've got to wonder, um, they're certainly not getting off on the right track. They're under five hundred. They do that every year, though. They do. And every but year they're in the finals. That is true. So it's, it's, But I think that also, you know, who knows if LeBron's going to be there after next year. I think that team is on its way out in terms of being a perennial power. In the next, hopefully, like, couple seasons. And the Celtics are on the way up. The Celtics are definitely on the way up. But you got to think, if we can get a ping-pong ball this year, (laughs) get one of those uh, real quality draft picks, that we can start building something. Hopefully that's pretty special. Because I like our young core of of, of Schroeder, Prince, and Collins. And we add another, uh, you know, if we can add a couple of young studs, go back-to-back years maybe of getting uh, a ping-pong ball. Who knows? Maybe we got something in, in three or four years. It'll be painful, <laughs> but, uh, but, but, but hang in there because we're finally doing what we should have done You know, after that second time that the uh, Horford Millsap Teague experiment sort of fizzled out in the second half of the year. We're blowing it up and we're, we're building through youth. And what more could you want out of your sports teams than
0: two out of, well, I guess I gotta say four now with the United? Two out of the four teams in a rebuilding mode where you can hope for something in the next three to four years. Yeah, that's yeah, just that, that, that's great that, fun to watch. That's all you can hope
1: for, and a mediocre football team. Yeah, and, <laughs> that, that that and a trending down football team. Yeah, that uh, that was you know, twelve fifteen minutes from winning a Super Bowl. That 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 blew the biggest lead in Super Bowl history.
0: Well, look at it this way, Graham. It only took them sixteen years, eighteen years to get to the Super Bowl after '98. So. We just have to wait 18 more
1: years. Yeah, later. we'll be, we'll be uh, 43 or something at that point. Knock what, on what's wood. Our, what's our math? Our math's off? Oh, the math, you just have to knock on wood.
0: Oh, sure. Assuming yeah. we'll be that old. Right. Yeah. Um, we'll probably be 50.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, that, hey, things are looking all right. We, we, we can accept this. My head's held high. Yeah. All right, so we're moving on to a new segment this week, uh, and hopefully we'll make it a weekly thing. As long as Tiller will keep dealing with us and producing the hell out of the show. We are going to do some predictions. Uh, it's called Producers Corner, where we will give Tiller some over-unders and other predictions about Atlanta sports this week, and she will make her picks. So what we're going to do is, is we're going to have two treats, and Tiller will pick, based off her fantastic canine instincts, what she thinks the over-under is going to be. So things like you know, tie-in possession for the Falcons in a game, or how many... Yards, Zeke Elliott will destroy us for this week. We're going to give an over-under to Tiller. And then we're also going to predict the uh, Cowboys-Falcons game this week with Tiller, our producer. And this is – it's good timing because
0: I had uh, a user today kind of chastising us for our terrible, terrible predictions recently. So we were like, you know what, let's put this to the test. So Graham and I are also going to do our predictions offline. Um, and compare it to what Tiller, who's a two-year-old canine, see if we can beat her at least.
1: Yeah. So follow along with us on uh, on Facebook, social medias, Atlanta Zone Sports, and uh, Twitter at ATL Zone Sports Podcast. So our first prediction is an over/under for our second-year tight end Austin Hooper. Is a lot of drops this year, Adam. A lot of drops. We want to know Tiller. How many drops will Austin Hooper have? Over/under two and a half.
0: Right. right hand is over, left hand is
1: under. Right hand is over, left hand is under. Tiller, what's it going to be? Make over, correct. under, two and a half drops.
0: Oh, she went straight to over.
1: Oh, very fair. So mark that down. So two and a half drops for Tiller, over. I would not be surprised if that's true. And I would, and, and it's probably going to happen with the great anus close, too, which is going to be even worse. Well,
0: it's got leaks now. The roof.
1: Does the roof have leaks? Yes. Oh, Jesus. It's
0: pathetic, even when it's closed.
1: This is terrible, folks. All right. Our second over-under, as we mentioned earlier. Zeke Elliott rushing yardage. I'm going to put the over-under at 130 and a half. So, Tiller, over-under 130 and a half yards for Ezekiel Elliott this week.
0: For the sake of, um, well, not being consistent and just mixing everything up, this time we're going to do left-hand over... Right hand under. Uh, she, she could be biased to the right hand. Very fair. Uh, over, over. Wow.
1: She goes over 130 and a half yards. So she's not being very optimistic. She's only been alive for two years, but is already fully initiated into the sorrows of Atlanta sports. She gets it. All right, so moving on to our next pick here. We have over, under, 60 and a half rushing yards for Devonta Freeman. What's it going to be, Tiller?
0: Left hand over, right hand under and here we go oh wow she takes the left so a little bit of optimism finally saying Devontae's is going to get over 60 yards rushing that
1: would be great maybe he will get more than 11 carries too there's (laughs) there's something to look forward to all right our next pick will be hawks wins this week one and a half over under Tillar, what's it going to be
0: all right and we're going to go right hand over left hand under and oh, she goes straight for
1: the right hand Wow Over a one win Man, so she thinks we're going to get at least two wins this week Maybe she's uh, got a little optimism With this youth movement going on On Dominique Wilkins' way And our last pick of the week is the big one Predictions on the Cowboys-Falcons game Who's going to win? Lefty Falcons, righty Cowboys
0: Here we go Oh, she goes directly For the left hand, Falcons With, Damn.
1: The, with the paw as well She's got a little more optimistic as it went along. not Not feeling Austin Hooper, thinking Zeke Elliott's going to dominate. Those last three, Freeman, Hawks wins, and the Falcons winning the game. It's all Atlanta, baby. If she goes
0: five for five. That'd be pretty impressive. We're putting money down next time.
1: Oh, yeah. And I think uh, each of us would probably go maybe one for five at best.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, that's if, pretty fair. If, if, the, if the ball falls right for us. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, well, that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you for listening and making us part of your day or evening. Uh, look for our picks on those same predictions Tiller gave you at our Facebook at Atlanta Zone Sports Podcast and on Twitter at ATL Zone Sports. For Adam Kalau, I'm Graham Waldrop. Hospitality.
0: Hospitality.